Hey, welcome to the Learning Little Lessons podcast. This is where we equip you to fill up on Jesus so that you can pour out to your people. And we like to share stories. Today, what we're doing is it is the fourth of four recordings from our sister share event held in March. And it's Carolyn. She's going to give a workshop at the beginning. And then you're going to hear a little break. And then we're going to bring up a question panel made up of, I think there's six, maybe eight people, different women, Becky Bauman, Courtney Ramsey, Kelsey Ballard, Larissa Maywell, Connie Bauman, Melanie Tomic, and Diane Jarrett. Possibly not in that order. <laughs> but anyways, I hope you enjoy it. So I just want to take a minute and just say how much I really love Sister Sharon. I think so many of us have that same sentiment when we come here. It just feels like we're removed from our daily lives, from our commitments, from the things that we have to do on a Saturday to come a little bit of a ways from home and have some time to focus as women on our relationships with God, on the word and the words of others. I think that Sister Sharon has been, a pillar of Sister Sharon has been women sharing their stories sharing hard things, um, sharing things that are hard to share. Um, and I know that um, Trudy has done a really great job of bringing people on the stage with her. So um, when Trudy and I were planning this year, we decided we wanted to leave each of you with something tangible um, to leave with that you can use immediately to help you start to thrive, which actually led us down a path of spiritual gifts. I think it's something that often we don't talk about. Um, it's personal to the individual. And it's something that's so necessary to thrive in our walk with Jesus. It's personal, it's empowering, and it's given by God to use for his kingdom work. But all too often, myself included, we either don't feel gifted at all, or we fail to use our gifts for a lot of reasons. Um, many of us at one point or another feel like we don't have a gift. I know that there have been times in my life where women have come to me and said, this is really your gift. And I would be like, I don't, I don't have a gift. Like I, I'm not a gifted person. I don't see myself as somebody who, you know, has maybe the gifts that I would admire to have. Um, and often if we feel like maybe we do have a gift, we maybe don't know how to use it. So when we're just surviving, we don't look for ways to serve. We don't think, you know, when you're in the pit of the puddle of self-pity, you're not often thinking, well, I should use my gift right about now. Um, we don't have the energy, we don't have the desire or the will to do more than what's right in front of us. And sometimes that's what God calls us to do in our season. We sometimes allow Satan to put us down and tell us that we don't have anything to offer others. He leaves us isolated from the body and it inhibits us from thriving. Well, I'm here to tell you that every person here has a gift. Every person who's a true believer in Jesus Christ is given a gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 12, it says this. There are diversities of gift, gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in us all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of the tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, 
distributing to each one individually as he wills. The passage gives me hope and encouragement that in deciphering my spiritual gifts, I'm being led by the spirit to find my gift, to use it, and in all of it, God is the same. He doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. So why use your gift? Sometimes we fall prey to the busyness of life, spiritual slackness, or maybe we even enjoy being the receiver rather than the giver. Our gift is something to be used to further the kingdom, encourage the believer, and to show the watching world that Jesus is alive in us. Our goal as believers is to glorify God in all aspects of our lives. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're not our own. We are given life and breath to glorify him and further his kingdom. He gives us the grace, the opportunity, and the very gift itself. We just need to respond in the way that Isaiah did. Hear my Lord, send me. Romans 12 also speaks about spiritual gifting, and I think there's a lot to glean from it. Verse 2 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. When you read the chapter, it starts out with the memory verse that Trudy mentioned um, about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. This portion about being proud could seem like it's out of place. If we're presenting ourselves as a sacrifice, then we see that it is God who gives us the gift. But I think the tendency, especially among women, is to compare. Do you happen to have a gift that you're too intimidated to use? Do you have a gift you wish you didn't have? Do you have a gift that you see is not as important or as um, the spotlight as other gifts? Are you being pushed down by Satan's lies to say maybe yours isn't really a gift at all? Do you wish you had a different gift? If you're indeed a living sacrifice to God, then we take our life and our gift and we run with it. And if you have a showy gift, a public gift, a front and center gift, there may be others who are struggling with jealousy. Remember that our gifts are given and we don't have anything that we haven't received. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For what makes you differ from another and what do you have that you did not receive? Verses 4 and 5 in Romans 12 say, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. All of the gifts being given by God through the Holy Spirit are necessary for the body to function efficiently. We don't all have the same function, but we need each and every one of you to stand up and use your gift for the betterment of the body and for you to thrive in your own walk. Verses 6 through 8 say, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given us, let us use them. If prophesied, if prophecy, let us prophesy in our proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it to our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Well, sister, today I'm here to embolden you to use your gift. Sister Cher is comprised of so many women using their gifts, from teaching to the hospitality of service lunch, encouraging one another, prayer support, you name it. Discovering your gift is so important. I'm so thankful to be a part of Sister Cher that has really stretched some people to participate and to use their gifts in that way. The encouragement and love we feel today is because the woman next to you, just like yourself, is here receiving the word, and being ministered to by the Holy Spirit to make changes for him. 
Isn't that amazing? We as Christian believers are upheld and inspired by the work of others and encouraged when we see the Spirit moving. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 say, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now for today's workshop, um, we want to leave you with a greater understanding of your spiritual gifting. There's a quiz provided by ACCFS that's in your booklet um, that will help you and give you directions on how to determine your spiritual gifts. Now, the gift results at the end are not conclusive. They don't list every single gift and certainly not every way to use them. And the, the larger umbrella of where you may arrive at um, after you do the math shows that there are many ways that you can use that gift. We're going to allot some time for you to complete it, um, but don't worry if you don't finish. Take some time, think through your answers, but essentially I want you to write down the first thing that you think. So sometimes we can sit there and kind of oscillate between two answers, but I think it's good for you to just your gut reaction of, is this something that I'm prone to do or not? Um, and then after that, we're going to have a time where we have some ladies who um, are going to share a little bit about how they're using their gifts and how they came to use it. So I'm gonna give you guys some time to work through that. All right, so I just wanna draw your attention to these ladies up here who are gonna be sharing a little bit about their gifts. And you should personally thank each of them because my original idea was to just grab random people from the crowd. Um, and so I, Instead of making enemies, I would bring some of my friends here who I graciously asked to um, just share a little bit about, um, I mean, individually, Trudy and I have talked to these women about the specific gifts we felt that they've had or that we've seen them use. And so I just thought it'd be really awesome if, you know, when you get to the end of your quiz, you're like, I got an exhortation. What does that mean? Or how do I live out mentorship or those sorts of things? So I wanted you to be able to leave home with women here, just like all of you who are using their gifts. Um, and they may not be explicitly listed in this, you know, uh, specifically listed, um, but they're using their gifts every day for the Lord. And I just wanted you guys to have kind of some real life examples. So we're going to start off here with Diane. So I feel like I'm really learning as the day goes on and I'm scratching notes on my notepad here that I'm going to be speaking from. So anyhow, but yes, my name is Diane. Um, I know most of you, but when we think about gifts and um, that they're given of God, it's something that I'm passionate about. I can truly say that my gift is a gift of service. And today I'll share about the gift of service. And if you think of the gift of service being giving mercy and administration, I'll be focusing on administration and how that plays out in my everyday life. I was talking to my sister, and she reminded me that my dad and mom really did model service to us as children. It was very true. My dad was a peacemaker at heart, but he tirelessly served. And my mom, who's now 86, still has a true servant's heart. Um, I'm a nurse, a mom, a wife. And, you know, when I finished nursing school 34 years ago, I thought I would always be a nurse. But somehow life had other things in store for me. I spent most of my working career involved in things related to transportation, to food, to fitness, and to real estate. So it was just in about the last 15 years that I really stepped away of, from some of my adaptive behaviors 
doing some of the things that weren't maybe as natural to me and got back into serving and looking for opportunities to be engaged in serving and helping others as acts of service to God. And the really cool thing was, is when I returned to the healthcare setting, I discovered that the skills that I had developed in the business world served me well in my volunteer leadership role. So as I was going through this with my daughter, um, I was starting off on, so here's what I did. And the first thing I got to was I served on the Wayne County Children's Services Board. Well, she said to me, well, how did you decide that you were interested in that? And um, talking about sharing the hard to share, I have to say, um, we have my husband and I have two kids. And I kind of got to the point where I realized we were only going to have two kids. And I said to my husband one day, I said, I think it'd be fun to be foster parents. And he said to me, no, and don't ever ask again. <laughs> and I thought, okay, so there's a door closed. So as I go through this, um, you might think like, wow, did she just sail through this? You know, this, this stuff just fell on her lap. I will say that that was the start of this. I applied to be on the Children's Services Board and I was passed over initially. But I also wanna say, my husband was from a very emotionally traumatic childhood. And I think for him, in the home that he had with myself and our two daughters, he just wanted to keep control. He could not handle bringing more chaos into the situation because of the um, abuse and the disruption that he had experienced as a child. So I'm not trying to fault him. I'm just trying to say we all come and we do have things that are true to us. So what I did is I served on the Wayne County Children's Service Board for over 10 years, some of those years as board chair, and then I became part of the Austin Bailey Health and Wellness Foundation. And this is a foundation out of Maslin, Ohio. And it services Stark, Wayne, Tusk, and Holmes County. It's um, a foundation that was developed when Doctors Hospital closed. They took the money and they give scholarships and um, do grants to help the community. Um, I was asked to join Altman Orville Hospital Board and I've served there for six years, including two years as the board president, which I'm currently doing. I'm also on the Altman Healthcare Delivery System Board that oversees the facilities of Altman and the healthcare businesses of the Altman brand. And I've been on the Apostolic Christian Village Long Range Planning Committee since September. And that subcommittee is focused on strategic planning for the skilled nursing portion of the nursing home business along with evaluating assisted living and independent living opportunities and challenges there for that community. So in some of these rules, women have been underrepresented over time. So I really had to and continue to need to be very prayerful and go to God's word for leading strength and encouragement in these roles. And I will share some of the tools that I have and use in my administration gift. So I learned that you need to prepare yourself. Do your homework, read through your board packet, research, learn about your industry, and remember your purpose. Don't make a commitment that you can't keep. If you've been given a charge to use your spiritual gift to benefit others by the insights, encouragements, and challenges that you, um, that you face, you need to be certain to do that diligently. And when the opportunity presents itself, you need to be willing to articulate ideas and make a contribution. Another thing I've learned is play by the rules of the facility or the agency. Like in the case of Altman, they have a thing called Altman time. 
the CEO that's currently there, to him it's very important that you're in your seat and ready for the meeting five minutes in advance. So you need to respect that. Um, you wear a suit when you go to this meeting. So you need to respect that and be consistent with what's important to them. So that's a couple ways um, as I stepped into the world of serving in the administrative role, a couple things that I um, found that were helpful. I would also like to point out that I work to be spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally ready to serve. And once I've done my part, I have to acknowledge that God gave me the spiritual gift as the result of the Holy Spirit's work in my life. So being equipped is really God's spirit and worthiness, not me. So to be able to serve is very humbling and beautiful. I would like to share with you just a brief portion from Psalms that was very meaningful to me last September when I came across it in searching for wisdom related to my involvement in the long-range planning committee. In Psalm 134, it says, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. And it's probably a tune or a psalm that you have sung a version of. And it was the commentary in my King James Version um, application study Bible that really made it come alive for me. And I'll share that commentary essentially as it was written. It's, it asks, why is an entire psalm aimed directly at a very small group, these temple watchmen? So singing this psalm, the worshipers would ascend up this hill to where the temple sits, and they would see the guards who protected it day and night. And having worked at the nursing home, this was very much um, what I was aware of because 40 years ago I had worked in the nursing home, so I had worked night shifts. So I'm just picturing these worshipers coming up and seeing the people who have worked basically the night shift guarding the temple. And these worshipers view the guards' work as an act of praise to God done reverently and responsibly. And the commentary goes on to say, Make your job or responsibility in the church an act of praise by doing it with reverence to God. Honor him by the quality of your work and the attitude of service that you bring to it. And that is the call of my life. Okay, um, I'm Becky Bauman. For those of you who don't know me, mine is going to sound very different from that. Uh, I feel like I should say, how am I not using my spiritual gifts right now? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I kind of based my thoughts on two different questions. First of all, what is my spiritual gift and how am I using it? Um, I think it can be a little bit awkward to talk about spiritual gifts for some of us, but it really doesn't need to be. Um, if we think about giving a gift to someone that we really love, we put a lot of thought into it, and I think we we try really hard to find something that they'll love and appreciate and use and value. And I really actually think that's how God views our gift, our spiritual gift. He handpicks a gift for each of us, and he uniquely chooses it, chooses that gift for us. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it, but it can be a little awkward to talk about. Um, that being said, my gift is also service. Um, but yes, my life looks very different right now than Diane's. <laughs> Ever since I was little, I loved serving people. I loved helping. 
I remember in kindergarten when they asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said a nurse. And I, I never wavered from that. I always wanted to be a nurse. I started working in a nursing home when I was 15. 15 doing like environmental aid work. And I worked all through school, all through college in the healthcare setting. And I worked for a couple years after we had, um, we got married and had children. I became a stay at home mom after we had three kids. It just got to be a lot um, going out in the workforce, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I was just very fulfilling to me to be serving people. And I just felt like that was where I'm supposed to be. Um, now I'm a stay at home mom of six kids. The oldest is almost 13. Uh, the youngest is a set of twins. They're two, they'll, they'll be three in June. So there's lots and lots of opportunities to serve right now. <laughs> it's not always as fulfilling as it used to be in the hospital setting, but anyways, um, so how am I using my gift? <laughs> this question feels awkward for me because I feel like I'm just coming out of a really hard season with this twins being so little and I was basically surviving for a really long time. The pregnancy was hard and um, you know, the first couple of years were hard. And honestly, I, I felt Satan attacking me this whole time. <laughs> I look at these ladies and they're so talented and I feel like, um, I feel these accusations coming. I remember Adam, like maybe a week ago talked about Satan is an accuser of the brethren. And I felt him accusing me so much, just like, you don't have anything valuable to say, you know, what is your gift? Do you even have a gift? And you say your gift is service, but you don't, you struggle to serve your own family. Like, how is that? Um, things finally clicked for me because, of course, Satan's going to attack our this area of spiritual gifts because he knows it's important. He knows that we can use it to glorify others um, and bring honor to his name. And so he's going to try to destroy it. So, yes, I feel like I don't have <laughs> anything important to say. But um, what I had to realize is that our, using our spiritual gift looks different in different phases of our life. And other people have said that I'm kind of saying the same things, but that's okay. And I think it's okay when we have times we're just hanging on and maybe we're not doing the big things or going to big important places and, you know, the very big noticeable acts of service that I, I want to do, but I can't, I think that's okay. And <clears throat> not only was I unable to serve others during this time of like twin pregnancy and newborn and you know, the challenges of that, but others had to serve me. And I, I felt like that was such a hard place to be in for me because that is not natural and it's very humbling. But when we let other people use their gifts and services for us, I think that's really a blessing for them also. And so we have to be willing to be on the receiving end sometimes, which is hard. Um, I also had to realize that serving my family is using my gift if I surrender to it and do it for God's glory. Like I said, we don't have to always be doing the big important things, just doing the small everyday um, acts of service for the people under my own roof is just as important. Um, and all God's asking me to do right now is just to serve the people in my own family and do it joyfully. And I can do that by making our house a comfortable place to be, not perfect, but comfortable and safe and peaceful. I can minister to the people in my own family. And I can, I, I do feel like God is nudging me like, okay, it's time to reach out 
you're okay. You can move on and do things for other people as well. And I'm feeling that nudging to kind of get out of the hard place and move on. And again, I'm not in any way saying we shouldn't minister to other people, but sometimes there are just those times in life where we need to let other people do it for us. So I guess in closing, um, you know, where do you find yourself? If some of you are just hanging on by a thread, just that that's okay. And let other people use their gifts for you. Never let Satan accuse you. I'm, he, he comes to us in all those accusations. God is, a, if, if the Holy Spirit is nudging you in a way to reach out, that's so very different than Satan telling us lies. So don't listen to that. Um, just if you find yourself fully able to commit to your gifts right now, that's wonderful. Just wherever we're at, wherever God's called us to do, just go and do that and allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us each as we use our gifts for his glory. Thank you, Becky. I really, really appreciate you being open here. Thank you, Diane. Next up is Kelsey. I feel like it's, it's not, it's not Sorry, we're going to work with the live stream. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my name is Kelsey, and Becky, of course, is my sister-in-law, and she's being very humble. She has a lot of gifts, and we're blessed to have her. Erin is very blessed to have her. It's out of really um, <laughs> <laughs> So Carolyn forced me, I mean, asked me to talk about uh, fostering. And so I'll just uh, share how we got started in that. Um, um, when we got married, my husband, Matt, and I, we went to a concert called Winter Jam. And it's like this Christian concert of singers and um, speakers. And one of the speakers there was Compassion International. And um, they sponsor kids. And I think that's where the seeds first got planted. Um, for us to work with kids, we had talked about uh, adopting internationally, but then, you know, the more we talked about it, prayed about it, uh, we decided we were too broke to do that. <laughs> we had student loans, and, and it just it just wasn't going to happen. But um, my husband, Matt, if you know him, is very uh, driven and passionate about lots of missions and different things, and he tends to push me out of my comfort zone, which... I'm slowly learning to appreciate more than get annoyed by. Um, so he, when we got settled in Florida, we moved to Sarasota and um, we decided we would foster and then maybe adopt out of there. Um, I, people are probably wondering, and I, I can probably have kids, um, but just didn't really have the desire then um, to have biological kids. And so I don't know if God kind of just said maybe fosterings for me and maybe it was easier not to have bio kids to worry about or whatever. But um, so we started out traditionally in our own home. We were both working full time. Um, that means we just have like one to three kids at a time. Um, I told them at first I just wanted one kid to begin with and they gave us two. So they listened to us right off the bat. Um, then a little while later, we moved to a bigger house that was provided by the agency that we were working with at the time. And um, 
they, they moved us to this house and we got it rent free as long as we would take their kids. So we took up to 12 kids at a time. Talk about survival. <laughs> that was pure survival. I mean, they were, the opioid crisis was huge during that time. And they were like calling us like, hey, do you have a couch we can put these kids on? Like, it, it wasn't very like legal, but um, we saw a lot of kids in that two years. I think we had like 150 kids come through. I was keeping track for a while, but then, um, something I think my phone like messed it up or whatever but it was um exciting <laughs> and it sounds crazy but by God's grace I guess uh it was doable um fostering was very eye-opening I didn't know much about it I mean I was 24 at the time that we started maybe um and we just saw so many kids in need and the, just so many different situations like neglect poverty abuse uh, so many things that you just want to turn your turn a blind eye to. Um, but overall, it was a great experience. Like it was stressful, of course, as you can imagine. Um, but I I do truly miss it, and I would definitely go back to it. Um, I miss like the phone calls at 3 a.m. You know, hey, we're gonna drop this kid off, and just you know, you never know what you're gonna get, and how are you going to prepare for them? And it got to the point after a while, I think my husband slept through a call once and I woke up and I was like, Oh, we got a new kid, by the way. Uh, my name's Kendall. And you know, he just woke up. Oh, hi. Uh, where's the coffee? You know, but, um, we just learned so much from him too. I think that was kind of fun. Um, obviously, you know, with all those kids, you learn patience and well, I didn't learn that, but some people would learn that patience and compassion and things like that. But, it was also fun, you know, I had one little boy teach me how to skateboard and, you know, it's just, you know, just little things that um, made it worth it. Um, also, I think people associate fostering with heartbreak and, you know, how, how could you let a kid go It'd be so hard. Um, but it's so much more than that. You know, we got to, you have to think like you get to work with these parents too and, and help them, um, try and get their kids back and like when you start focusing on how can I help these parents um to do better and be better and um then you know it made it a little easier to let the kids go back then and and sometimes they they didn't go back and they went to different situations but and and not every kid we wanted to keep I mean like let's be honest um, um and one unexpected blessing is all these adult children that we have now that were teens in our foster care. I never wanted teens either, by the way. Like, <laughs> it's gonna sound like I don't want kids at all, but um, <laughs> it was really scary to get our first teen. You know, you just hear all these stories, and but it, it worked out. And now, you know, we, we have these teens that still talk to us. and. I feel like with them, it's almost made the biggest impact on them because they call us and yes, they ask us for money still and everything, but um, I had one, she's actually going to jail, but she's pregnant and she wanted us to take her baby. Um, I haven't heard back from her though, but um, a lot of them are parents now. They have two or three kids now. Um, they're in their early twenties and a lot of them are like just thankful and that, that makes it that's like so special to me when they were like, Hey, thank you so much. You know, you were like more of a mom to me than, than my own mom. And that, um, that really like 
it's close to my heart. Um, and I'll mention again, yes, it was stressful. You know, we went through a lot of like hardships and just, it was tough on our marriage. And, uh, but I look back on the, on these good times. I, I really look back, we have pictures of our kids in our house and I just, I love talking about it. I love, I love my kids, all those kids. And, um, at one point we had like six elementary age boys in our house and that was like, so it was Devin, Devin's my son. We adopted him from foster care too. He's 15 now. And he was one of those boys. They were about 10 and um, eight to 10. And we just took him to the beach and played football. And, and my husband is really good with kids and he really likes teaching and everything. So um, it was good to, for him to be a, a father figure to these boys. Um, now we uh, are back in Ohio and I work with uh, Summit DD Kids, which stands for, or I say I, but it's my husband too. Uh, developmental disability kids. Many of you know Michaela, and uh, so she's with us long term, maybe for another four years, and uh, that's a different kind of fun. <laughs> and so we just also completed our final home study um, to adopt a sibling group in Texas. We don't know which one yet, but that's kind of our plan. Devin really wants siblings, and um, there's a special place in our hearts for sibling groups because they want to obviously be adopted together and uh, not, a, not a lot of families in the market to adopt big groups of kids. So, um, yeah, uh, I would just encourage you, if you're ever thinking about fostering or whatever, just, just do it. Like, just, just try it out. Like, take one, one little kid at a time and, and build your way up to 12. And, <laughs> love to talk to you uh find my number whatever I, I i love talking about it i i have lots of stories and just just do it or do respite um and there's there's plenty of ways to help foster families too so not i don't know it's not really a spiritual gift like it's not on the list but i don't know what it really fits under <laughs> thank you kelsey i appreciate that yeah, I think it is a spiritual gift to take that many kids. <laughs> so very much so. Um, when Caroline came to me um, to ask if I would share about hospitality, I didn't feel worthy, but yet I felt willing, I guess you might say. And the first thought that I had when she asked about that one was um, probably about five, six years ago, David Maybaugh. They were at our home, and when David was getting ready to leave, he asked me out in the kitchen, he's like, have you ever thought about what, like, your spiritual gifts? And I was like, not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess you just grow up, and you just do some things naturally, and you do other things with work, and I never really thought that much about it. And he says, well, I think one of your gifts would be hospitality, and I said, well, thank you, and I thought about that quite a bit afterwards, and that triggered that memory whenever she mentioned that to me about talking about hospitality. Well, so anyhow, thanks to David, he got me thinking that, you know, we do need to use what God gives us, and my thoughts go to everybody in this room, because I know, like she mentioned before, everybody in this room has a God-given gift, and I do believe the difference is, like, when something is God-given, I think it comes more natural for you. You don't have to struggle and, and, and really, really work at it. And I think that's the difference um, 
So when I look back, my parents were very hospitable. They had a lot of people in their home. So that came naturally for me. And I just wanted to continue that. I guess it was just a natural for me. Um, I love what it says in Romans 12, 13. It says that we are to be about distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. And then again, in 1 Peter 4, 9, we are to use hospitality one to another without grudging. Uh, and then 1 Timothy um, 3, 2, and then also again in Titus, they're instructing that that's one of the qualities that a bishop should have to be given to hospitality and a lover of hospitality. Those are the references I found in the Bible. Um, I also know that when I went on the internet, it said that, um, I thought this was kind of interesting. When a Christian uses their gift of hospitality, they are not expecting payment and no return favor is needed. They are serving others without a need for an exchange and they do so joyfully. And I thought, what a blessing that if we could do that every time with our hospitality, that we would, you know, not expect anything from it, just open your home or however. I even thought about, it's not always opening your home. Um, most of the time in my situation, it probably has been because I, I really enjoy having people into my home, sharing time with other people. Um, I enjoy cooking and like that, but I've also thought about so many other ways that you can be hospitable. You know, you can take a meal to somebody if you don't feel comfortable having them in your home, or you can pick up the phone and call someone and be just like, how are you doing today, or caring and sharing, and um, maybe having a group Bible study in your home, or um, even not in your home if it's somewhere else. But I just feel like God really puts it on your heart to use the hospitality in, a, in so many different ways. And I even thought of like the ladies that did the lunch today. Thank you so much because that is a way of expressing their hospitality to us because they knew that we needed a break at noon. Um, so I guess I've just learned that if we can have the right heart, it's all about serving God. You know, just like we heard today, if we can do everything for Jesus, that's pretty much what our heart needs to do about whatever gift that he gives us. And, I do really appreciate um, being here today and learning what I have. Thank you. Thank you, Connie. Hello. Um, I'm going to soak this in because I am used to most people not listening to me. <laughs> I work with six screens every day and um, they don't really care about, you know, finding the area of a triangle. And, and oftentimes I don't either. So um, there's that. But like really quiet. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, I when I got to my third class, it was after lunch. Oh man, I was like, wow, they are more out of it than normal. And my intervention specialist looked at me. He's like, it's a full moon tonight. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's just make it through. Um, I think what popped out to me when I was kind of like pondering spiritual gifts. Um, was just the idea of like passion, like what am I passionate about? Because I can be an overthinker, like I overthink stuff instead of just thinking, okay, what's something that I'm passionate about and I care a lot about? Um, and I think something that I love and passionate about is like the middle school, high school age people. Um, and I've usually, I've had the opportunity to work with them uh, the past six years and some days I'm like, 
yeah, I really love them. And other days I'm like, help me, please. Um, but I've definitely called my mom before and I've been like, what, what am I doing? Um, or there's some days that I drive home and I'm like, wow, I totally reacted wrongly. Um, and her response was, you don't need to teach them school. Um, you need to love them. And so beyond like beyond teaching them math or language arts or whatever I've been teaching, um, sometimes I have to remind myself to and sometimes I don't always as well as like. Um, but one other thing I thought about, there's like different people here um, that have been a part of the Summer Girls Bible study. Um, that Smithville's done, I don't know how many years it's been now, um, but it's for like middle school and high school girls. And I just think it's a really neat picture. Like churches can be an awesome picture of this too. This is a quick snapshot of people using their gifts, um, working together, just like today was. Um, so I'm just gonna go through a few of them that I've seen. Um, definitely the gift of encouragement. Some of the girls that come are encouraging to some of the girls that lead or some of the girls that give lessons or to the younger girls, um, giving. Like you'll get a text and it'll be like, hey, what do you need? Or what can I bring? Or what can I donate or offer? Um, the gift of hospitality, there are people that come and just make, even if it's not their home, they just make others feel welcome and they are warm to them. Love, love other girls that maybe need that at the moment. Um, and there's girls that bring snacks um, that are like above and beyond. And it's like, wow, that is so creative and delicious. And everybody loves a good snack. Um, and then there's the gift of teaching when some of the girls take time to prepare a lesson. Um, and this is one of the best ones. Um, sometimes it's like, oh, wow, the dishwasher, not dishwasher, but my sink full and by the time that I was over it was like wow somebody did the dishes um so the gift of serving was in place there so I just think it was just neat to think of like all the different gifts um that are used and we might not even know it um but they, you are being used by the Lord so and I think um a fruit of that has just been the relationships that have been built and I think that's beautiful so thank you I'm Larissa Maybaugh, and my highest gift is knowledge, followed closely by a three-way tie of teaching, wisdom, and faith. Um, knowledge is defined as a God-given ability to learn, know, and explain the Word of God. It is very closely related to wisdom, which discerns the work of the Spirit within the body and then applies God's teachings um, and actions to the needs of the church. And teaching has to do with instructing others in the truths and doctrines of God's word in order to build up and mature them in the faith. Um, sometimes knowledge and wisdom are referred to as words of knowledge or wisdom, which indicates that they are speaking gifts involved with understanding and speaking truth from the word that comes by revelation from the Holy Spirit. Um, my gift of faith allows me to trust God through very difficult circumstances and to fully believe that he is working behind the scenes, even when it seems there is no way out 
Um, it is through the gift of faith that I've seen miraculous things in my own life and can then use those stories to encourage others to hold on. And I'm just going to uh, say something that I didn't know I was going to say before we stood up here, but uh, Kelsey mentioned they thought about international adoption and decided that they weren't going to go that route because it was too expensive. Um, we have completed two international adoptions. Uh, when we started the first one, I think we had a total of $5,000 to our name. And um, when we started researching and looking at how expensive it was going to be, and God clearly led us there, we were like, uh, we don't know how we're going to get this done. And yet our faith told us that God was going to provide every penny, and he did. Um, our adoption was supposed to take a minimum of eight months, 18 months. It took seven and during that time, my job went to part-time, my income was cut in half, David went through a really difficult um, bout of illness, ended up in the hospital for weeks, um, and every penny of the adoption was covered. Every penny. I still can't look back and figure out how God did it, but he did. Um, so <laughs> when you have the gift of faith, sometimes, sometimes God provides things that you had no idea were going to, to happen, but... It's also allowed us to live through um, 25 years of chronic illness of David's. And as you heard already today, we got some hard news yesterday. Um, but I know that my God is faithful. And no matter what we're facing in the future, he is always, always good. Um, so back to the other three. I love, I absolutely love to study the word, to dig into it, to research words in their original languages, tie it together with other passages and apply it to my life or to the church today. I come alive when I get to discuss Bible passages with others and share the things that God has taught me through personal experience and study. Quite frankly, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to scripture. Um, we live in a church culture where women are expected to have the gifts of hospitality and service. And you've heard about a lot of those today. And um, those are particularly prized, I would say, among our sisters. I absolutely do not have those at all. <laughs> um, I'm in awe of those who do because those do not come easily to me. I have often joked that I feel a bit like a Mary in a Martha world. I would much rather be sitting in the conference room with the men discussing scripture and how it applies to all of us than cooking a meal or decorating a table and being a fabulous host by having friendly small talk. I'm terrible at small talk. Um, sometimes when women are given gifts that don't fit the mold, we can feel like we don't fit in or we can struggle with how to use what we've been given. But this is where it gets a little interesting. The Bible never specifies that certain gifts are only for men or for women. And in fact, I'd like to point out a few scriptures that show women who likely had gifts that were similar to mine. In the Gospels, after his resurrection, Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene and asked her to go tell the men that he was risen. Her faith in him compelled him to choose a woman to disciple the disciples and to present the full gospel for the first time. In Acts 18, Aquila and his wife Priscilla heard Apollo speak, and the Bible says he was a very gifted orator. They heard him speak, and then they both took him aside to explain the word of God more accurately to him. It wasn't just the man, it was Priscilla too. In Romans 16, Paul commends Phoebe to the church of Rome and says that she is a diakonos, the Greek word, in the church of King Creai. Now the word diakonos is used 22 times in the epistles. 18 times it is translated as minister in the KJV. Three times it is translated as deacon. There is only one time that it gets translated as servant, and that's when it describes Phoebe, 
the only time that the word was used for a woman. But the reason that Paul is commending her to the church is that she was the bearer of the letter that Paul had written. A bit later, Paul describes her as his patroness, and he chose a woman to take this very important doctrinal letter to a church that he had never visited. She would have been the likely person to answer questions about what Paul meant when the letter was read aloud to the Roman house churches. Some weird trivia from my life. Um, my husband David and I have exactly the same spiritual gifts. Knowledge first, followed by a tie between wisdom, teaching, and faith. David has had an obvious outlet for his gifts through pulpit ministry. I will never be in that position, but I still have a responsibility to use my gifts for the good of the church. So I tend to use them in small group Bible studies, through speaking at events like this, and in helping my husband study scripture. Um, I'm an introvert, for those of you who know um, the Myers-Briggs test or are planning to take it since Trudy told you to, I'm an INFP, and that I stands for introvert. Um, but the people that I attend Bible study with could confirm to you that it's kind of hard to shut me up about the scriptures. Um, when David prepares a topic or begins to research something, he almost always asks for my help. Um, for one thing, I read much faster than he does, and I innately understand language and word meanings. He's more of a math guy. Um, we love to study things together, and he likes to have a female perspective on his ideas. Likewise, when I speak at something like Sister Share, I ask for his input and thoughts. One of the most frequent ways that I use my gifts is through a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations. In the last week, I have had more than a dozen people reach out to me with a question about scripture. I get excited when I get to answer questions about the Bible, so I don't mind at all, but I do spend a lot of my time texting, emailing, or just having conversation. Um, I reached out to David about 10.30 this morning just to ask if he was doing okay, and he said, yes, are you? And then he's like, I've been texting people for hours. How do you do it? They just keep responding. <laughs> so all of us here today have a purpose within the body. We have gifts and talents that are slightly different from the person beside us because it takes more than one or two or 300 or even 8 billion people to fully reflect who God is. We all have something important to bring to the table, and it takes all of us working together. Find your gift, your passion, the way that God relates to you most naturally, and then use it so that those of us who don't have that gift in our own life can experience it. It's okay if your gifts are different from what we perceive as normal. That's part of God's purposeful design, because our gifts aren't for us in the first place. They're for the church. Thank you, Larissa. These ladies are a tough act to So, Trudy called me a couple of days ago and said, hey, you're on the program, and Carolyn's going to get to you, and she called me yesterday. <laughs> the reason I say that Not is because that's the story. <laughs> that's the story of how my gifts work. Um, I have severe ADD, and everything in life it just goes off in all directions. And God speaks to me through the tools that I need to do his work. So last week, I inherited a brand new iPhone, which allows us to stream this so that other people can live stream it. I didn't ask for that phone. I didn't even know I needed it yet. But when we got here this morning, if I wouldn't have had that, we wouldn't be able to send this out. That's how God works in my life. Um, I didn't know what I was walking into. It's year by year. So I went through my entire house and put every adapter, every cord, everything I can in these bins up here. And it usually works. 
the gift isn't that I know how to do this, this stuff. It's that I just keep pushing at it until it works. <laughs> so all that to say, be real and be you. Um, I did, after I talked to Carolyn, I went through and I did the spiritual gifts test because I'd never really considered it. And I was a little surprised at what came out. Um, they asked me to talk up here about uh, teaching and sharing the gospel. And that was actually third or fourth on my list. What came up to the top was hospitality, but it doesn't look like anybody else's. It looks like things like 10 teenagers around my table last night um, playing this very loud game. And as the Lord's saying, go take that test so you know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> and eating everything in the house. And I had other company, and she's encouraging me. And it was really great, but it was really chaotic. <laughs> So all that to say, your gifts don't have to look like what you think they are, even if you know what they are. Um, back in 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit, and my parents were down south doing all this great work for Harvest Call. Well, it was World Relief then. And I was really wistful, because here I am with four little kids. I've got ADD. My house looks like it. Like, the oldest is six, the youngest is a year old. And I'm saying, Lord, use me. And every time I would pray that prayer, Kitchener Church is tiny, but we had two children that were virtually fatherless. Every time I would pray, Lord, use me, I would end up with one or the other of those children overnight. It took him four or five times knocking me on the head saying, I don't need you to go anywhere. I need you to do what I ask you to do. And it was service and it was hospitality. But like the 12-year-old girl who hadn't had anybody to train her, I needed her to help me scrub the crayon off my walls because I didn't have the capacity to do that. I needed her just like she needed me. Um, and so many of the times when God uses my gifts, people end up pouring more into me than I pour into them. It's a two-way street. It's a ten-way street. Um, as you were saying, Becky, about being the one on the receiving end, God needs us to be grateful receivers or useful receivers because we can, I can't exercise my gift in your life if you're not willing to accept what I have to give. And accept what your gift is, even though it doesn't look like Connie's gift of hospitality. I mean, my gift of hospitality looks like talking to my soon-to-be daughter-in-law two weeks ago at church and saying, oh, I see some people I've never met before. I don't know who they are. I need to go see who they are. And she said, I'm going to run in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's okay. We each have our thing. And she goes and she talks to somebody else and encourages them. And I go meet this new person. And I don't make a very good long-term friend, but I can meet you at the door. Because nobody's ever told me to go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when it comes to the evangelism and the sharing the gospel, um, it also looks very different than what I think it should. Um, I think it should look like Anne... Or Larissa or Kara of being able to just go up and talk to people. But my gift looks more like I get all the Bibles and have them ready so that the evangelist can be there talking to people. Um, but I'm not very good at that, so I just take all the Bibles. <laughs> you know, like fill up the back of the van. And then the ones that I didn't think were the ones we were going to use, the ones, the ugly comic book Bibles, were the ones we needed more of. But because I'm not organized enough to know what we really should have, I just take everything. And God, God uses that. Um, it also looks like 
uh, waking up in the morning. Well, maybe I should have started with this. On the days when I wake up in the morning and spend the time with the Lord and I say to the Lord, use me, I'm available. That's when miraculous things happen. On the days when I get up and I stumble out of bed because I'm late and I go about my day in the normal Melanie fashion, that's when I talk too much and I hurt people and, and things like that or go too fast or, or things like that. So in exercising your gifts that use me, I'm available is when, when God moves in miraculous ways and it just looks like Melanie. Um, I guess there's a lot more I could say, but I think it's not terribly important. Be you and be real. And, and go through the results on your paper. And if you didn't think that hospitality was important, just think about how he's already using you. And then take those things and refine them, just like I did with those fatherless children. And then be blessed by the others that pour back into you in ways that you had no idea. And, and be willing to be, be the person that's being poured into. Thank you all for being here today. I've been really blessed by you. Thank you guys all for being willing to share. And I, I think it's, to go back to the, the one of the pillars we talked about of Seasons of Life. I mean, look at the sampling of these women. Now there's some who have adult children, some who have teenagers, some who don't have children, some, you know, and I think it's, it shows that everybody can use, be used where they're at, where they are today. So.